This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hello, and welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Emmy Birch, and today we are talking to a historical ultra runner who traces history with his feet. That's right, my new friend, Todd Adelot. Now, before you turn this off because you're like, um, ultra running, no thank you. The really cool part about this conversation is that Todd has found something that he's passionate about, history, and he's woven in another passion, running, and what he talks about as the ability to trick our minds and to have experiences. It's really about creating experiences that make you a better person, that offer you moments of thought and reflection, and just going back to the experience word. In this conversation, Todd shares how he got into ultra running, and then we go super deep into the Warriors. Now, if that sounds familiar, there was a film in 1979 about the gangs of New York called The Warriors, and Todd created a historical ultra run through the city of New York that follows the course that all the gangs take in this warrior film. It's epic. And my best friend and I are doing it in July. So we talked to Todd about that event a lot. And Todd is a huge fanatic of the Warriors. If you haven't seen it, you should go see it. It's really good. The soundtrack's awesome. But we'll talk about that in the film. We then talk about Todd's newest run. And this is the one I was super excited for you to hear about too. In 2019, Todd created the NYC Black History 50. And we talk about where that idea came from, why it's there, and how it's changed over the next couple years. And if you've ever thought about doing something crazy like 50 miles, this is the race to do. I can't wait to figure out how to get this on my calendar. But enough about me. I'm really thankful that you're listening. I can't say thank you enough for creating a space that Illuminate can exist so we can illuminate stories like this and events like this. So I hope that you enjoy and I can't wait to hear what you think. If you want more from your hosts, check us out at patreon.com slash pod. Of course, like and review. That's how more people hear stories. But until further more, we should listen to Todd Duck about ultra running and tracing history with your feet. Today on the Illuminate podcast, we are talking to Todd Adelot, who is a historical ultra runner and traces history with his feet. Hey, Todd. Hey, Emmy. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to talk to you today and illuminate the incredible things that you're doing. How's New York today? You know, we've, uh, we are starting the summer and uh, it's, it, we miss spring altogether here. So it's, uh, it's, it's jumped from a, a cold winter to what I think is going to be a, a hot summer. Last summer was super stormy. So uh, I, it's good ru- running weather right now. Right, the second. So how long have you been in New York? Are you from there? Uh, no, I'm actually uh, born and raised in Rochester, New York, and I've been in the city now for you know over 20 years now. So married here, live on the Upper East Side, and uh, work in the PR business by day uh, when I'm not running. Okay, so PR business, that's your main, what's your, like, how do you summarize what you do for your, quote, real job? 
so I'm a, I'm a partner at Allison Partners in New York, which is a global PR firm. And I work, I specialize there in executive thought leadership. So I help craft narratives around business leaders. Wow. So I'm really passionate about as well. But that makes so much sense why you're so great at creating these epic races that are not just let's run from point A to point B, but let's have some type of history that we trace with our feet. So how did you get into ultra running? So um, that's a great question. Yeah. So I guess um, somewhere around, I think, age 48 or so, I got this idea that I was going to run 50 miles before my uh, 50th birthday. And so just got training on, on this kind of goal. And, uh, and, and what happened is I'd, I'd uh, really fallen uh, kind of in love with the whole ultra running mystique, meaning uh, the running over mountains and hills and, and, and through um, environments like that. And, and I started um, kind of getting frustrated, if you will, uh, about my inability to do that in New York City. Uh, just because, you know, you have to hop in a car here and drive out to Hunter Mountain if, if you really want to do that. You have the Palisades and some places you can go uh, for quick hits of trail running, but it's really hard to engage in that thing that I had really kind of fallen into uh, or at least wanted to fall into. Um, and, and so I did, was in, out of frustration at my inability to do that is when I started thinking about my own running in a different way because the idea of you know running um six loops in central park it's just first of all it just really it gets boring after a while and 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 not only that it's i always tell people that it's the most dangerous place i run uh, just because there's bikes flying through there now and i love all our tourists visiting our city but you know, when tourists come to New York, they now rent city bikes. They go to the park and they're in the running lanes taking selfies while they're riding. And so you're really in a, a good deal of jeopardy running in Central Park. Uh, Whoa, I didn't even really, think about you that. You can really get hit in there. So I, I find that I'm safer in traffic. <laughs> okay. New York traffic, New York tourists on city bikes. I would have never known, totally but now we know. Out of the park. Yes. Okay. So you set out on a mission to run 50, you fell in love with ultra running. When did you start designing races? Well, I didn't, I mean, so what What had happened is um, I didn't set out to, to, to design races at all, but, but what had happened is I started uh, documenting my historical ultra runs, right? And, and there's all different kinds of them. You know, there's, there's you know, runs to historical figures like Teddy Roosevelt and Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, there's runs to uh, various crimes, uh, and, and more so to the victims of the crimes, not to celebrate the crimes, but to recognize the victims. The run of the, the, the run of Sam uh, was a run I've done twice, which is a 60-miler solo to recognize the victims of Berkowitz's crimes. But I, I started um, doing all these things and documenting them. Uh, on my social, and I did that for the Warriors as well, because I, I grew up a fanatic of the film. And so I, I decided this one night to um, recreate that run or, or the what could be the route, um, the fantasy route, if you will, through the heart of the movie. And anyone who knows the movie knows it's, it's a runner's movie. Um, and so I ran that route alone. And then what, you know, what had happened there is my phone lit up 
truly like everyone was like that is so cool please or will you do that again and if you do you know what can i come and i started really getting i heard from everybody because i mean the warriors people are really passionate about the film mm -hmm. and uh, so I, then i oddly i just i heard from ultra runners everywhere and in particular i heard from ian corliss okay um you know, and he has the Talk Ultra podcast, but he's a he's an amazing human being. And he called me and he heard what I did. And and Ian's a, a, a fantastically creative person. And he called me and he had me on his show. Um, and it was amazing on that show. I always give Ian credit on that show it was Ian as a super fan of the Warriors who encouraged me while he was interviewing me. He's like, you got to do this again. And not only should you do it again, but if you do, you need to have a team, an elite team that gets out in front and to have the full field chase them. So he like conceived of this in a live podcast interview. It was hilarious. Uh, so I always like credit Ian. He's like, like, like uh, I call him like the godfather of the Warriors <laughs> Ultimate because he like, Helped help birth this concept, but the concept is is alive. Is uh, the Warriors Ultra Run is the only underground urban chase in the world, and uh, we're chasing a team chase. of hardcore uh, uh, urban ultra runners uh, twenty eight miles through the city of New York in the middle of the night while dressed as gang members. Um, it's, it's when you say it like that, it sounds absolutely wild. <laughs> I'm it's, so excited. My wild. best friend and I are doing it. Let's let's give the listener a smidge bit about the Warriors. So the movie. Can you give us a quick quick synopsis and why someone should watch it? Sure. So the movie um, came out in 1979, and uh, it's one of the greatest cult films of all time. And in my own opinion, it's the greatest movie ever featuring New York City. The movie was shot by Walter Hill. It was shot in around 90 days overnight, exclusively at night and exclusively on the streets of New York City, not sets. They went out in the streets and they shot that movie at a time when the city's economy had collapsed, when we had laid off um, thousands of police officers and where gangs uh, had really taken over uh, the, the or at least were attempting to take over the city and were controlling parts of the city. But the city was very, very violent when the movie was made. And he made a, a movie um, that really, it's about a gang that gets wrongly framed uh, for murder. And uh, the gang gets chased by all of the other gangs in New York City through the streets of New York City. Um, until they reach their home turf uh, over 20 miles away in Coney Island. So the movie's nonstop running. It's mm -hmm. just, it's just nonstop running. And, um, and I grew up obsessed with it. And, and, and this, and my experience was not unique. I mean, my experience was a, as a white uh, kid in the suburbs and like a lot of white kids in the suburbs, this was my window into what I thought New York City was. Uh, but but it, it's, um, it's a fantasy version. He took a very fantasy version 
of, of the, the horror and crime of the 19, late 70s in New York and, 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 and turned it into this almost bubblegum pop thing. It's really wild. It's, it's still a very violent movie and very rough. Um, and it's meant to be that way. But, um, you know, and the movie just completely fascinated me. The gang is in, uh, Rick's mate racially, uh, white and black. All the gangs in the time um, were predominantly Latino and black. Um, so it's a real fantasy, if you will, that what, what they created there. But I, you know, I always tell people that the movie was kind of indirectly brought me here because I watched it all the time. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I watched it the first time, having done no research on the movie. And immediately, as soon as I watched it the first time, I started digging in and found the Warriors fandom page that yeah. showed all the gangs that actually were active in that time period in New York yeah. and how they were portrayed in the movie. So that historical context got really exciting. And I started looking at all the different ways you can get. They start in the Bronx, right? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the conclave, the, the mythical conclave in the movie, the movie is set in the middle of Van Cortlandt Park. So our race leaves from the Van Cortlandt area. We don't announce where the race leaves from. Uh, last year, we did it uh, at an abandoned lot in the middle of the South Bronx, and we threw uh, a conclave <laughs> that was really wild. And we have to do it pretty quick, you know, because... Um, you know, we don't have permits to do these things. So this is an <laughs> underground street race. So we're basically occupying a place and, and we're throwing a conclave in, in really less than 10 minutes. And to get out and not, not be a nuisance to people, but, but we throw a conclave and there's a, a thing that happens. And then we chase uh, the gang out of the conclave and um, we chase them to Coney Island. So there's a couple things. So the coolest part about all this, having watched the movie the first time, then doing the research and watching it the second time, that's when I picked out that my friend and I that are coming to do the race are dressing up as the riffs. So <laughs> that's awesome. here's what I've learned. So for listeners in the movie, the warriors get wrongly accused, like Todd just said, and then all of these gangs start chasing them to Coney Island. And what makes it epic as a music person with my doctorate in music is the the soundtrack so immediately i started analyzing the soundtrack and they use a radio dj to give secret codes out that so originally i wanted to be the dj and carry the boom box and play the film the whole time play the, the soundtrack the whole time but i think my arms would kill me by 28 miles <laughs> of carrying a boom box so we've decided to be the riffs because they were the largest and the strongest gang according the strongest to strongest gang that's exactly right and you know they really occupy the heroic ending of the film mm -hmm. in particular because it's they who come in and end up saving uh, ultimately the warriors in the yeah. end. So. Which was, I mean, I don't want to give it away. You guys have to go watch the film. It's totally worth it. It's a, a blast. And like I said, the soundtrack is exactly what was going on in the 70s with film scores at that time, which is a whole other conversation that we could have because I'm super nerdy when it comes to film scores. But that is a great film soundtrack. It has all it the is, right it, stuff. It's amazing. And then, um, you know, I, I can geek on that for a second. So. When that, uh, the opening credit sequence, I mean, for anyone l listening, it, it, when it, get the movie, download it from Amazon. I'm, I'm telling the opening credit sequence of the film is, is literally something, this is going to sound like an exaggeration, but if I've seen it 500 times, it wouldn't surprise me. 
and, and that's the, that's the thing I actually watch all the time is the credit sequence. Yeah. It is so completely genius. The music kicks in. Uh, it's eerie. It's atmospheric. It's it's shots of the actual Wonder Wheel in 1978. It's really dark and the, the subways are coming in. And then you see this cascade of the gangs appear uh, one by one as, as you're rolling through a subway. And, and it's really atmospheric. And the music uh, is absolutely vital to it all. And we'll be playing a lot of that stuff at the Conclave. Score. Well, originally I wanted to be a bopper because they had really bright purple sequence <laughs> outfits and huge afros. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to be. But then they don't actually appear anywhere in the movie except at the opening Conclave. And I needed to embody a character that I could study in the movie. <laughs> well, good for you. I I'm very excited choice. about throwing on a costume and running 28 miles. What happens during the run as the elite pack is going and everyone else is chasing them? Well, How do people know where to go? What's the premise? So, so a, a couple things. First of all, the, the structure in the elite team is really cool. Uh, it's the only um, urban chase format in the world. So we had to we had to design a format for this that would work. And what we did is we replicated the film. So there's an elite team that is the nucleus of the elite team is formed by the winners of last year's race. Okay, and that includes Michelle Goldberg, and that includes Karen Elaine and Corey, um, and and. Um, at any rate, the members of the elite team recruit other members of the to join the elite team, and they have to elect one member to be a war a war chief, just like in in the film. So this week we announced that Karen Elaine uh, was elected war chief, and Karen's amazing, by the way. He's running for office, uh, Democratic seat in uh, in East New York, and he's amazing, Karen Elaine. So he was the third place male, but uh, he was elected war chief. So he's got some really unique obligations. So first of all, he's gonna recruit that team. So he's gotta to put together the, re the remaining members of the team. We're hoping that, that it's a team of nine, just like in the Warriors. They get a 10 minute head start on the full field, but you know, you can imagine the paces they're going to be running at, right? They're going to be running like really fast. Like the winners came in at last year. I mean, gosh, I, 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 I can't were in like name. the low sevens or something crazy. It was really like a low seven minute pace. And I, I just can't remember the pace off, off the, the, the top of my head, but it was just crazy. It was just like top athletes. And so these guys are running seven minute paces. And so what do you do if you have to drop out? Because seriously, even elite runners can have a bad day. So what do you do if you have to drop out? So we decided to create a system that incentivizes you to stay in. So you can drop out off the elite team, but everyone on the team then gets a two-minute penalty. So And the war chief has to stop the team and enforce the penalty. And that's how you... That's how you drop. And so that it incentivizes you to stay on the team because you've got 150 gang members behind you. As soon as someone from the field, um, as soon as someone from the field passes uh, the elite team, as soon as that happens, then it's an open foot race and the elite team no longer has to stay together. So does that happen every year so far? So, I mean, last year was the first time we did it. Okay. And so they were passed 
they were passed at around seven miles and then they, wow. they went on to win. So Wow. Okay. Uh, and then so cool. and then Karen was the first guy in the elite team to come in behind them. Okay. So this is going to be so cool. Don't worry, listeners. I'll, I'll fill you in on how it goes in July. The race is at the end of July. All the details are on the awesome website, which I'll put in the notes below, as well as can you tell us about when the New York Times did an article on it from, was this last year that they did the article? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So the New York Times, they followed the whole thing last year. And that was like another incredible drama. <laughs> they were with me the whole night. That's not stressful at all. Their photos are amazing. And they tell the story. I included a link to the, the article in the episode notes. But they could, like, I guess if you're listening and you, you can't fathom running a few miles, running 28 miles in the middle of the night in New York might sound crazy, but it sounds like fun. Oh, gosh. So the, the run, it's, so I'll tell you about the route really quick for those listening. So you can go to the warriorsultra.com website uh, if you want to get in on it. Um, it's it starts at 1 a.m we throw a conclave that lasts us in 10 minutes and then it's a straight run uh all the way down really the heart of the city so it cuts through harlem uh and then it goes down through the upper east side uh, I'm, I'm sorry the upper west side uh the home of the baseball furies and then we take you down riverside park and all those sites and then you come back out on broadway and you pass a few more warrior sites and then you go all the way down to Union Square, which is another Union uh, Warrior site, crossover into Brooklyn, and then it's a straight run down to Coney Island uh, from there, where you finish on the Coney Island boardwalk at dawn, just like in the movie. So, uh, and then it leaves at a bar. We leave from the Tortoise and Hare Bar uh, up in Van Cortlandt Park. So, I mean, and it was just crazy. Like last year, I, I showed up at the bar at like 10 o'clock and I swear like everyone was partying. Everyone of the race was totally partying. I couldn't believe it. Uh, so it was, it was that's In like their costumes, the everybody? Everyone's in their costumes. People are partying. Like all their family members are there. It, it's really wild. Um, so I encourage everyone, they can all come up to the uh, Tortoise and Hare Bar we allow guests at the conclave so people can watch. And um, and then at the end, it finishes on the boardwalk and we're really close right now to securing a bar that we, it's gonna finish on this oh. year at the Coney Island boardwalk. We're trying to get them to open up at like four in the morning, which is like really difficult. They won't have so, gone to bed from the night before. <laughs> exactly. So we're in discussions. <laughs> we're in discussions with the bar yeah, owner. Can I, yeah, I can't make an announcement. Yeah, but that's that's the ambition is to have it go from bar to bar. It's a you know it's a completely underground race, and we have, you know, I think right now I think there's a, we'll have about 150 at least for for the night. We had about 90 last year, mm -hmm. so. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be really intense. All right, let's talk about the hard part. So 28 miles running streets, none of that sounds scary. Costumes, crazy awesome. Beginning and ending, fantastic. How do you keep all of the people safe in the middle of the night running the streets so, of New you York? Know, thank you very much. It, it's um, That's a really incredible question. First of all, you're going to see that everyone has to sign uh, the, the most honest released form of all time. Um, and I, I'm really kind of crazy about uh, everyone signing it who participates in the race. And it's a release form that really just lays it out there. You're running through New York City in the middle of the night. This is not an official race. 
We don't have security. There are no street closers, okay? There's no porta potties. Okay, this is not an official race. This is an underground race. And um, so I have a, what's really been amazing to me in this journey as this thing has gotten bigger and bigger is safety has been the principal issue. So when we started this race, Emmy, um, we used to run through subway stations. <laughs> uh, we actually ran through the subway stations in the earliest iterations of this race, which is, you know, super dangerous because <laughs> people are tired and stuff, right? But so that was back when there were 20, 30 runners, you know, and it's not like that anymore. People are traveling from all over the world for the race now. So safety is huge. So what do you do? We make everyone sign a release form that makes it really clear. You know, first of all, be aware of the risks. This is not a sanctioned race. This is an underground run through New York City in the middle of the night. Now, be that as it may, what we do is I have a, a steering committee called Cleon's Gang, a reference. Uh, yes. Cleons. Um, and these really wonderful people are really serious people, and they're very serious about safety. And so they've worked with me for the last four years to make the event safer and safer and safer. So the route, it takes you down literally what I consider the safest possible artery through all of New York City, because I run all the time through New York City overnight alone. And I know, I honestly think I know more about that than there's a handful of people who might know more than me, but I, I'm in the very small nucleus of people that runs alone through the city, all alone in the middle of the night, right? On my overnights and stuff. And I know exactly what I'm doing. I run through the most dangerous neighborhoods in New York at those hours too. So, and I know how to do that too. And the number one thing you need to be doing is staying on a main road. So our route goes down Broadway. And when I say you're on Broadway, you're on Broadway the whole way through this run. And that's the most lit route in New York. There's police all over it. During this run, it is a party because it is packed with bars and restaurants and there's people out on the streets and you're running through Latin neighborhoods. It is special. It's fantastic. They're all on the streets partying. You're running through their world. It's magic to me. You're running through a part of New York that no one gets to see. You're running through a moment at, when the city's at its best, at midnight, at one, two, three in the morning, when so many things are happening in Harlem uh, and in those areas of the South Bronx, it's actually out on the streets. There's a whole community going on out there, and it's really special. So, so you run through that. Um, we pair everyone up. We make sure everyone, so our steering committee is going around the whole time in the bar in advance, making sure that everyone's in groups. No one runs alone. No one runs alone. It's, you know, that's just a, a bad idea. So we pair everyone up. Um, and then outside of that, as I said, it's, it's really, you know, it's really about outlining risk to everyone and being just really clear because I, as a race director, I want people to know. You know, people will send me notes all the time. Is it safe? Is like, it? You're dressing up as a gang member and you're running through New York in the middle of the night. No, the answer is no, it's not safe. No. Okay, but we're going to try and do it in such a way 
that is as responsible as we can. And so we took, we've taken everything that we've, we can possibly, we can't take traffic out of the race, Mm-mm. can't do that, Mm-mm. but we kept it on a main route. We took it completely out of the subway stations. We're insistent on people truly following the rules to the best extent possible. Right. Oh, I think so. you're doing all the right steps. I know that we have been looking at the route and just making sure that we know what we're getting into and where we're going. And I'm very excited to see all of it come together. And I can't wait for Coney Island. I've never actually been to Coney Island. Yeah, it's um, it's special too. And I'm really hoping for for great weather. But like as the sun's coming up, the runners, you come in and everyone goes right in the water is what they always end up doing. They go right in the water and then they come back out and they hang out at the finish line and the finish line last year, I mean, it was a total party. It was, it was sponsored. It was a non-alcoholic party because ABC beers uh, sponsored it. And just everyone was just really having a really great time. But this year we might do it in an actual bar on the boardwalk. Very, very cool. Well, you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I want to switch just slightly because this is such a cool niche run. And like you said, it's the only one of its type, but you do other events too. And I want to hear more about your NYC Black History 50. Yes. Um, And before I move on, I just finally, my brain unfroze and remembered the name of our winner, which is Corey Fleming last year and and second place, Chris Carter. So I totally blank. Those guys ran a 311 in 28. So it was really Three hours and 11 minutes, 28 miles. Do the math. That's real fast. It's real fast. So those guys smoked the elite team last year. Wow. Are they coming back as part of the elites? Is is putting that. What's that? They're part of the elites this year. Yeah. So Corey's back. He's he's part of the elites team um, with with Karen and Michelle. So it's going to be really special. So the Black History, the NYC Black History 50. So same thing there. So the exact exact same, that race was created in the exact same way that the Warriors was, which is I ran it alone in, I think it was 2019 for Black History Month um, alone. And I, it was structured about a 45 miler uh, that went through all five boroughs and, and touched all these black history sites that I'd spent months studying. And so I ran that and, um, you know, I, I got a number of the sites that I ran to the black history sites involved in that, in that, in my solo run. And they said to me, if you do this again, maybe it becomes something bigger. And then when I posted about this same thing, just a bunch of ultra runners who follow me said, listen, if you do that again next year, I'll come with you. And, and so, and therein is, was the origins of the NYC Black History 50, was just announcing that I'm going running again and I'm gonna <laughs> design this route. Um, but we took it really, really seriously. And, um, you know, I worked with all the Black History sites in the city of New York on designing the run. Wow. And it was a really big uh, and important process. Um, so I, I, but it's a very exciting race and we're doing it again in February. So it's in February, it's 50 miles. It goes through five boroughs and it sees all these different sites. Is it more of a slower run? There's not really a race element to it. It's more about the experience. Yeah. So, um, so great questions. So it's an experiential run. And so the other thing I, I definitely wanted to talk about, I don't know if you saw the announcement I made, I think about 
four weeks ago, but I actually announced that um, I've officially joined City Running Tours, Michael yes. Gazella's wonderful organization. So my two underground runs, the Warriors and the NYC Black History 50 are now uh, in an official company. And, and uh, it was really important to do that for a variety of reasons. I mean, one is like, I'm selling, you know, like loose tickets out of my pocket. It's gotta like be a business, <laughs> you know, people, organizations wanna sponsor this and they all say to me, you know, what's your tax ID number? You know, <laughs> what kind of insurance package do you have? But I'm like, listen, <laughs> uh, I got nothing. So, so it, it was either to a point where these races have have to either be incorporated separately or become part of a running company. Um, City Running Tours was one of our partners on the NYC Black History 50. And they're an amazing, amazing. Michael Gazala has built a great company. You, you can really, if you go to their City Running Tours website, you can see, but you can drop into just about any major city in the country and their guides will take you out and see that city. So they're very engaged with what I'm doing with history and everything. And so we've had a relationship for, for some time. And, uh, and I reached out to Michael about the NYC Black History 50. He became a principal curator and developer of the event. And, um, and so it was a natural place for me to, you know, anchor these two events and to anchor what I do, which is designing experiential runs like this. And these two are, I think, reflective of the kinds of runs I like to create. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to cross running very deliberately with experiences to catalyze different responses. The, uh, the Warriors Ultra Run, you know, I call that like, truly, it's like, I've said it to many people, it's like, kind of like a wild fantasy quasi acid trip thing. It, it is a fantasy of neon through the middle of the city. It's really raw. It's really urban. It brings to life uh, this film and this corner of New York City history. So it's, and the conclave I throw is, it's not a, you know, I'm throwing a conclave and an abandoned lot. It's pretty for real what happens yeah. there. Um, and so I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to create, I'm trying to create this thing and to send people off in this fantasy mindset. For the NYC Black History 50, it's a much deeper thing that's going on there. The reality is that if you ask any, just about most New Yorkers I know, if you really start talking to them about New York City's Black history, sadly, you're gonna discover that very few of them know about it. I certainly consider myself hyper-educated on New York City history, given what I do. And I truly didn't encounter this in history until I sought it out, A, intentionally in 2019. And, and it's just unreal what you discover. You know, when you start discovering New York City Black history, what you see is that this city was built by enslaved Africans. And you started seeing that this city's heritage on, on slavery was entirely on the wrong side of the equation. And then you see that this city was in fact a progenitor of slavery. And then you see that the city paved over the history of the enslaved Africans who built our city, they paved it over. 
And so um, the NYC Black History 50, we sought very intentionally to identify major slave burial grounds in just about every single uh, borough. And we visited those burial grounds. And it's very, it's very intentional. It's a great tragedy that those burial grounds are largely um, paved over now. That their history has been paved over. Um, and so you have to reclaim it as well. And, and so the run is, is devoted in many ways to that spirit. And, you know, a few things I want to say, I mean, that's really important. While I, 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 I just, uh, I'm very, very, very proud of an announcement I made uh, just recently uh, uh, that Alison Desir, Alison Mariella Desir has become the first chairwoman um, ever of the NYC Black History 50. And, and if you know who she is, she's one of the most wonderful people uh, I've ever met in the running community. She's a, a ray of light. She's um, an extraordinarily powerful figure and uh, just radiates goodness. And she, uh, her book, Running While Black, is about to come out from Random House. And it's really going to be exceptional. It's, it's a very important book. I haven't read it, uh, but what it, it's really looking at the, the power structures that are defined running uh, and it's whiteness, if you will. Um, so she's one of the leading DEI figures uh, really in and around empowerment and, and running. And she's really a great person. She worked with me on this race. She's, uh, she came in as a partner. She founded Harlem Run. She got very involved, very passionate. And the single biggest issue and the elephant in the room that I'm really passionate about, and those who know me know that I, I take history really seriously. It's not a novelty for me. Um, but I've been very concerned about being the white middle-aged male curator of the NYC Black History 50. Okay. I was, um, I am the founder of this event and it just happened to have grown up around a run I did. And I'm very proud of that. Um, but in the curating of the first edition last year, I very intentionally, I worked with um, Yvette Jordan, a wonderful person at Sandy Ground. I worked at, I worked with um, the Lewis Latimer House Museum. I worked at the Plymouth uh, Church. I, I, I worked with the African Burial Ground. I worked with Harlem Run. I worked with Black Men Run. I brought them in as partners and I didn't pick all the sites myself. I tried to make it very collaborative the history we went to and, and what we exposed people to. And, and I, I, want, I intentionally involved as many black voices as I could because of this issue of me curating from my position. And I think, it, I, you know, I'm, I did as best as I could, right? That I'm proud of. I did as best as I could. Be that as it may, you know, I still took, um, and I would say healthy criticism you know, I people reached out to me in the running community, and I'm no names, wonderful people, but would reach out to me and say, hey, I just got to ask, you know, I represent a, a black running community and they were wondering about you curating this. And, and so, and, and that is so legit, right? Mm -hmm. So this, this is a very important issue. It's important for me because I want to build a race that is really um, reverential of black history, because that's how I feel about it, right? So um, what we've done is I named Allison Desir, our chairwoman, and what Allison has agreed to do, which I'm not going to be involved in, 
Uh, I don't know what she's going to do, but uh, she's creating an independent Black History Curation Committee. And uh, she's both going to solicit ideas, I believe, from the general public, but she's forming a committee, if you will, that is going to evaluate what gets included in our Black history run. And it's just, it's just a very, very important thing uh, that I not, and so I'm going to consult to them. That's how I'm going to present all my ideas. I'm going to present a proposed route. They don't have to take that route. It's, okay. it's up to her to shape the theme, the stops and everything. So she's, it's going to, I'm really excited about that because what this does is it's going to allow us uh, to build this event. I'm going to continue as race director doing exactly what I do, which is bringing the partners, structure the stops, but picking the stops, not me. I love that you're having so many other lived experiences at the table. And what a beautiful image and example of real collaboration. You didn't just call and say, hey, tell me a couple stops. You invited them to the table, into the conversation. And it's a real collaboration. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was great. So I'm, yeah, I'm really proud of, of, that's of that tough, aspect of the run. So. The, the whole thing sounds awesome. 50 miles is tough. 50 miles is real tough. And I bet there's some people listening thinking, geez, Emmy, Todd, 50 miles is tough? I'm thinking like 15, 20 miles is tough. What advice would you give someone listening now that might want to try getting into the ultra running world? So if you want to run 50 miles, piece of cake, I'm sorry but the NYC Black History 50 is one of the... So here's why I say that. It's the easiest 50 miles I ever ran. I mean, when you're running to slave burial grounds, when you're visiting burial grounds where Africans were enslaved, and not only that, but you're meeting individuals, historical experts at those sites who are telling you what happened there, and then you're 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 with black runners too right and and this is real you stop at these sites at eight miles at 10 miles and and you're having an experience you run to plymouth church and you go under the church and they will take you down under the church in the dark where enslaved africans you know, were under the church as part of the Underground Railroad. They were under the church in the basement in the dark. You're in where they were in those, you know, hollowed halls. And this happens over a day, hmm. right? So I'm telling you, you're, you are in a different place as a runner. Easiest, easiest 10 miles to the next stop you'll ever do because your mind is completely distracted. And this is part of what I want to like try and tell people about what I've discovered about running. So historical running, when it's really approached in the right way. So like, if you go on the NYC Black History 50, you're going to be immersed in the history. You're actually going to experience it. If you have the opportunity to read and study those places in advance, to study Plymouth Church, to study the African burial ground, to study what actually happened to the enslaved Africans in New York. If you have the opportunity to study those um, in advance, then you go on that run and it's a release that's seismic it's really intense so like yeah running 50 miles is really intense like any ultra is intense cross it with some some really heavy stuff really heavy stuff for your mind 
You know, when I run the run of Sam, it's over 60 miles and I run to eight murder sites over an entire night. And I don't think about David Berkowitz once. I've studied the victims and I kneel down and I pray over a night, all night, all night. That's what that run is. It's a, it's a, it is a run of prayer, right? Because they were demonic crimes. That run is so intense. It's so intense. The, the, the things that happen in my mind. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, that'll happen on the NYC Black History 50. You want to run 50 miles easy? Come. It's easier than running 10 miles. I believe it. I'm now I'm going to have to look that one up next. <laughs> I love what you're saying, though. Historical running, when approached in the right way, is a seismic, intense relief. Instead of it just being a almost selfish, um, physical release, what you've created are these moments for study and reflection and prayer and in- like intense moments where your whole body is involved. You know, some people run to lose weight. Some people run to clear their mind. Sounds like as a historical runner, you run for even more reasons than that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's too. You know, I'm trying to, to to have experiences. When I first started doing it, what I tell people is, when I first started doing it, I, I was doing it wrong, and it was like, I was doing it as a tourist. I'm going to run here and, and take pictures, and and I'm going to run to this historical spot that's interesting, and it's fine. It's a great way to approach running. And it's a great way to run in New York. But then what I started doing is I started really studying for a long time before the runs. And the first run I did that on was at Ground Poe in New York. And, and I did about a 21 miler after consuming tons of, of Poe. And, um, and that run finished up at his cottage in the Bronx in, in, a, in a cold, cold, rainy, dark day. And uh, where I was standing over the bed uh, that his wife, which was his cousin, um, died in. And you can stand over her bed and you can stand right next to the chair that Poe sat in and watched her die. And you're in that room and it's so intense. And I ran and that was that was in that day, you know, because I'd consumed all this Poe. And then I went up there and I got into the museum at, at that time and, and, and had this really intense experience um, the run became a memento mori. It became, um, I, I had a series uh, of experiences during the run. Um, Poe keeps moving north in the city and my run kept moving north, so to speak. And it, it, it became, uh, I became aware during the run that what he's really trying to do is, is outrun um, dirty air in New York. And he's trying to take his wife up to clean air in, in what was the country at that time. Um, and it's just very sad. You know, you're running up there in running shoes um, and this guy is desperately trying to save his wife and it doesn't work out. And, and, and Poa, it's just it's very tragic, sad, sad, sad life. It's like going on a field trip, but it's a, a long running field trip. With yeah, all yeah, it's exactly. Work. But see, when it was that run, it was no longer a tourist. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I said, okay, so this is different. I'm going to start approaching running like this instead. I love it. I'm so thankful that you're willing to share these amazing routes that you study and you create and you curate. I'll make sure to put all of the ways that people can follow you on social media in the episode notes. But to wrap up, I have four questions we ask every 
guest on the show. And I, I'm excited to hear your answers. I think I'm going to know some of them. But the first question, what is the best or mo most recent book that you have read? I'm holding it in my hands because okay. it's right on my desk. So this is incredible. So it's New York Burning, okay, by Jill Lepore. And it is an absolutely staggering, staggering uh, book. But really what it's about is it, it's, um, it's about a, a series of fires uh, that were lit in lower New York in 1741. And um, it, a horrendous, a horrendous series of events unfold and enslaved Africans uh, get blamed uh, for the fires and they are rounded up and, um, you know, at, at various points, I don't want to go through all of it, but uh, the enslaved Africans are eventually burnt at the stake in lower New York. And um, it's, it's just an unbelievable history that's been swept under the cities, um, under the carpet, so to speak, but not many people know about it. And again, Black history, it's part of what makes Black history um, so fascinating. But this is all of you know, various slave uprisings in lower New York and fires in lower New York. New York burning. I will, New York burning by Jill Lepore. I will put that in the episode notes. Who or what is illuminating or inspiring you right now? Absolutely. Um, the Bowery Mission. So the Bowery Mission is where um, uh, I volunteer at, uh, on a regular basis. My wife does as well and my son does as well. Uh, but it's a um, it's a mission in, in New York City. It's a rescue mission in New York, a Christian mission uh, that works uh, very, very directly with our homeless community and those suffering uh, from homelessness or hunger or poverty. And they're um, they're absolutely amazing. I'm sorry I have. It's OK. I love it. You're in New York. Radio There's nothing better. Um, but the Bowery Mission, uh, they have a facility that is located down on the Bowery. Um, and they've just been serving our neighbors in need uh, for over 100 years in this city. And they're really, really, really special. So I volunteer there. I try and volunteer a couple of days a week. Awesome. So that's illuminating you. That's also an organization. Do you want to highlight any other organizations that are illuminating you? Other organizations illuminating me right now. Um, gosh, I, I don't. I don't know of any. I want to make, I'm going to, I'm going to put one in there for you. I want to illuminate the Harlem runners and the black men run. I want to put those in there. I think you those would be it. such good ones for people to check out. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Harlem run. Allison Day Sears organization is completely amazing. They gave us so much passion for the NYC Black History 50 and all their ideas and everything. That would and be then awesome. uh, Black Men Run, yes, in the city, Karen Elaine, Brandon Jackson, Kovan Flowers, those are all, you know, the, some of the guys from there. They're, they've been a part of the Warriors and they were both part of the NYC Black History 50. So cool. I can't wait to meet them in July. All right, last question. This has been such a cool conversation. What is the message that you want to send to the world today? So, um, yeah, I guess the best message I can say is, um, is to kind of re- So a lot of people have said to me uh, this, you know, Todd, you live in New York City and you can do this historical ultra running thing because you have like 
12 miles of history books you can read about New York City because there's so much to run to in New York. But what do I do? I live out here in this small town or something that doesn't have a lot of history. So you can take the same approach though to running. So history is just the lattice, right? It could be wildlife. It could be flowers. It could be mushrooms. It could be geologic formations. I'm going to run to this peninsula. I'm going to run to that. Um, I just think that there's different ways to think about running. Um, and, and believe it or not, trick your mind in a way, because that's really what's going on with historical ultra running is I'm, I have the pleasure of reflecting on something while I'm running that completely distracts me from the fact that I'm running far or fast. Um, and that's, that's, that's a really unique thing to know about running, that you can beat your mind that way, that you don't have to be in the pain cave, right? That, I, 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 you can get to enlightenment, don't get me wrong. You can, like I call the, the further and farther vectors are very important vectors in running. And I believe they both possess enlightenment, but I think that there's this deeper vector as well, where you can think about running differently, and it's not really about speed anymore or far. It's about what other experiences you can cross it with. I love it. The mind tricks that come with it. And if you can do that in running, think of how that will empower you in your everyday today. Hey, Todd, thanks for coming on and sharing your story and sharing about these epic races. I really appreciate getting to know you. Oh, great, Emmy. I'm really excited to run with you and the other riffs at the Warriors Ultra. It's about the experience. Historical running is when you approach it the right way. It's, it's seismic. It's intense. It's a release. It's studying and putting it together. It's like all the work you did and then went on a field trip in school. We're like, that's so cool. But it's creating it with whatever you have. What I really took away from Todd's story is that he found a way to grow as a human every day, learning about history, building relationships, being a true collaborator. And through that, he has experiences that make him a better human. So I hope that you know, whatever you're doing, it's really important to the world. If you need ideas, hopefully some of these stories on Illuminate will give them to you. But I'm really thankful that you're listening and I hope you enjoyed the conversation and I'll see you next time on the Illuminate podcast.